Campers listeners, we've got Julia here and Sammy. We have arrived in the bird, but- beautiful, beautiful Berkshires, Massachusetts. Uh, I don't know when we passed into Massachusetts. Like, we just know, at some it, point we were did, here. It felt right. Yeah, it did. And we're surrounded <laughs> by some amazing-looking people who seem to all have really strong bonds with each other because they grew up together going to camp, and we are in the middle of a camp reunion. That's basically occurring in this very moment, and we are going to just kind of. They all came up here and rented yeah. a house, and they're hanging out. So let's like pass the mics and have them introduce themselves. Okay, I think let's that's do that. the best and thing to do. Everyone here went to Camp Eisner. Yeah, they went to Camp Eisner together, and they're all hanging out. Here we go. I'm passing to my right first. Uh, I'm Max Reese. I currently live in Connecticut, but grew up in New York and went to Eisner as a camper from 1995 to 2002. And then when I was a staff member there in like 05, 06, and then 2008. That was a great introduction. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of some yeah, other thing. Re- that was really true. Say your name. My I'm- name is Max. I also went to camp. I'm also a Virgo. I'm also. <laughs> um, I'm Andrea Zlotowitz. I went to Eisner from 97 to 2009. Three of those years, I was a counselor. And I live in Brooklyn now with Mike Bloom, who I'm getting married to, who also went to Eisner, who's across on the other side. Hi. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm Mike Stein. I went to Eisner from 94 to 2010. I was a staff member for four years and then senior staff for two years. And I'm in Brooklyn now also. Hey, this is Mike Bloom. I went to camp for several years. I think like 97, 97 to 2002 as a camper. And then I was a counselor for three years. And it was great. Hi, I'm uh, Ted, and I went to Eisner just as a camper from 94 to 2002, something around there. Um, But even though I wasn't a staff member, these guys still hang out with me, which is great. So we had to do a quick uh, venue shift, but we're back. So, Mike, you were explaining the ages and when you guys got here and being Ted, et cetera. Sure. So we, uh, so Ted and I started in 94. I think we've like, we're in the same bunk in maybe 95. Uh, but it wasn't really until maybe we were like nine or 10 that the sort of group of me, Mike, Max, and a couple of our other buddies, Ted, that we all sort of started to, uh, like be friends at camp. I vividly remember becoming friends with Mike Bloom quickly. We were in the same bunk in 1997. I think it was bunk 12. I think, in 1997, 
And so most campers would do like two weeks to start in like the lowest age group called Kitanim. But, and then I did four weeks to start which would bone him, but Mike Bloom over here, his parents sent him away for eight weeks. As far as <laughs> How did that feel? Well, my sister had been going for a couple of summers, and they were like, yeah, by the way, you're going this, this time, too. <laughs> and I was nine, so I was like, yay, I'll get to hang out with my sister, but she was, you know, like 12 or 13, so we didn't see much of each other. But, you know, you know, we, we, I, I think I enjoyed it till about the third week. <laughs> and then and then I think what happened was I lost my laundry and um, didn't have any socks, so I was like kid changer. I was like kid wearing shoes with no socks <laughs> for like two weeks. That was me she too. Was voluntarily. She thought, she Did you get socks. black mold like me? It was it was disgusting. <laughs> I was the smelly I was like the smelly kid in the bunk and I didn't know why. And my counselors were like so incompetent. They like they like bought me like some spray for my shoes. Yeah. But they weren't like why do your feet? Why do you reek all the time? <laughs> they were just like, here, cover it up. And then, and then, um, but then finally, my sister found my laundry, and uh, where it went back. Well, it was like it had come back from the laundry. Like so, you know, they send out your laundry. Everybody had you the same out, green laundry yeah, bag too. <laughs> so you had to you had to mark your own bag, like. This but is you really, have to make it distinctive. It could have it could have been there the whole time. So, when the laundry so. would when the laundry would return, it would throw it into this giant like container that you'd see on a container. Oh yeah, it was ship. a shipping container. Yeah, yeah. It was a shipping container. <laughs> <laughs> so it ended up in there. So then, like, think of like the Lord of the Flies if they got like a food shipment, <laughs> <laughs> and, and you jump in there, and then someone would just go, "It's Mike Schwartz's." And throw it out. <laughs> Give it to Mike. And it's also like 160 <laughs> degrees inside the ship. <laughs> <laughs> and Mike, I think your bag ended. Up, like on girl side. This is what happened. No, that was a different summer. So this, <laughs> this, this is what happened. This is before they instituted everyone had the same bag. So it was kind of bring your own bag, right. choose your own bag adventure for laundry. <laughs> and mine, I remember distinctly, I had black garbage bags. What? <laughs> Threw out my laundry in the black garbage bags. It had a little tag with your name on it. Super right? janky. Came back in clear garbage bags I found out later because I was like that can't be mine I put mine in black garbage I was nine years old black garbage bags so for two weeks my laundry sat in the laundry shed untouched perfectly clean until my sister was like let's go look for your laundry and there's one bag in there and it had like Mets towels she's like Mike, this is clearly your laundry. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. And then I had my socks back. But I was, I was still the smelly kid for a while. And I didn't really like it. And I used to call my mom and be like, Mom, I hate it here. You have to come get me crying. And she'd be like, okay, well, we'll talk next week. <laughs> and uh, we'll see if you like it any better. <laughs> so it, was their vaca- you know, it was their vacation. They yeah, were like both yeah. kids for two months out of the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was Can't the, blame them. I was the youngest of three. So my older siblings were already at camp, or my older brother was, my sister was a year after us, but it's a similar thing, like, parents get kids out of the house for four to eight weeks, they're like, it, like, yes, they cared if I was happy or sad, but they more cared that I wasn't there for their summer. <laughs> they, just, they knew you were safe, yeah. and they just, they were just like, it's fine, he's fine. Oh, I, I told the story the other day, like, when, when we got up here, and I remember saying how my dad... He, like he had like a new boss at work or something, and the guy had said to him, "Oh, so what are you doing for the summer?" And my dad goes, "Oh, well, I'm dropping my son off at camp, and he's going to be here for eight weeks. And my other son's going to be a different camp, like six weeks." And the guy looks at him like, "You send both your kids away?" And he goes, "Of course I do. What do you do with your <laughs> like? Wait, what do you actually spend time with your family? <laughs> the summer? Are you, are you, are you out of your mind?" He goes, "No, we're going to London. <laughs> That's what we're doing." 
Yeah. Goodbye. Right. In, in my family, so I'm three years younger than this group, and in my family, my grandfather was a rabbi at Eisner. He's one of the founding rabbis, so oh. it was just expected that we she would. She was like royalty. She was like camper royalty. No, but it was like it was like <laughs> I was like sea level royalty because rat. you had like the Wolfmans and the Messengers ahead of us who were like bigger families, and then it was just like the six of us and like my grandpa would be loud and no one would want to listen. And you guys were all so off. You were like we're the so awkward weird. family. Oh, why were they awkward? I mean, have you met her? <laughs> Hi. Oh, she no, seems recently, cool and confident. But the Zlotowitz family wasn't as in your face as some of the other families That's when it fair. came to like 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 my dad or is a rabbi or my dad's or my mom's a rabbi or my dad or my mom's a canner. Like they weren't like that. Some of the That's other true. families Oh, you knew. We have a whole episode about staff brats, about kids Ooh, that yeah. are grew up. What did you call them? Faculty? Uh, fac brats. Fac brats. Yeah. yeah. Fac brats. Fac brats. That's not a term that I made up. Like, no, no, no. It's a, it's a real That's camp a, term. Yeah. But so, so technically that makes us like fac brats. But like mostly it was like when when kids... <laughs> we've never heard of fac brats. No, we've used the full term fac brats. You should know what you're marrying. Yeah, I guess so. But the expression fac brats, that's the first I've heard it. Abbreviate. Yeah, it sounds offensive. I'm yeah, not, yeah, I'm not not offensive. we're not making this no, up. And, oh, I believe. You. Okay, so how did you deal with that, and so that you, I mean, I, so that people still liked you, and wanted to marry you? Uh, well, so we we didn't get together until after camp. Get right to but, the point. Wow, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> Um, she had a lot of years of growing growing up between being a fact brat and, I had, and today. I did have a lot of years, but I think that I... <laughs> From fact brat to fiance. <laughs> That's the title of this the episode. episode. Yes, guys, I'm, guys I'm, I'm writing a book. It's going to be called From Fact Brat to Beyonce. <laughs> Read it. Coming out October. Um, to Beyonce. To go to Beyonce. Oh, <laughs> anyway. Okay, let's go back. Um, my family, so we were really awkward, and we were very, but we were very close as a family, so we didn't really think that much about our grandparents being there. It was only the last two weeks of the entire summer. How many of there were you? Six. Oh, wow. Yeah, so okay. I, it was my older cousin, Marissa, who'd been there for some years, then it was me, followed by her younger brother, Ethan, then my sister, who's two years younger than me, and then it was Zach and Xander, who... I'm not... I'm not but yeah, Xander was my camper. When I was a counselor, Xander was Xander my was cool. camper. He was a great kid. He was an awesome kid. Yeah. I guess I forgot that he was really I hope you're listening, yeah. Xander. Yeah. Can you talk about what you're referring to these last two weeks when your grandparents come? So um, all of the rabbis on camp are typically part-time, and they come for two-week intervals. So our, our uh. sessions used to each be four weeks. So we'd have two rabbis, or a number of rabbis come for the first two weeks and the second two weeks and so on until the end of the summer. So my grandparents just had always come the last two weeks. It changed for everyone else. So really, if I was there for eight weeks and I had to wait the last two weeks to have them sneak me pop rocks and yell <laughs> and like give me all these fun fribbles, which fribbles were the best. And what's a fribble? Oh my god, it's a milkshake from Friendly's, which oh. is it's and Friendly's out of business here now. Oh. Up here, but actually they still exist. There's one in Pittsfield. There's it, one in Weathersfield, Connecticut. They still exist. I gotta tell you, those, glow, those glowing straws are everything. Fribbles were a form of payment for Whoa. good behavior. <laughs> so oftentimes right. if you were bunk did something really well or was well behaved, you would be treated to a round of fribbles, which at the time were worth their weight in gold. Yeah. When you're it ten years old, the fribbles are greatest thing. But yeah, what I was gonna course. say was about faculty. So like camp rabbi is a very different kind of rabbi than or a cantor than like a normal one. Sure. Uh, I just like to talk about it for a second. Because mm -hmm. like so when you have these rabbis that are on camp, you kinda get to know them better than I think your own rabbi who or or cantor who or educator or whatever. So to the point where one of the rabbis 
ended up officiating, our camp rabbi, Matt Cutler, officiated my wedding, our wedding, um, because we felt a closer bond with him than with other, like, I don't know, religious. Synagogue rabbis. Right, other clergy, basically, like, in, in our lives. I think that's true of the whole camp experience, right? Because you're kind of spending more time together. It's more, it, it's, it's less formal than, like, right. a traditional temple setting or school setting for friends, and so you just kind of bond, you know, it's twenty-four-seven. It's know? temple in cargo shorts and flip-flops instead of temple thinking. in like a suit and uncomfortable right. shoes. And you yeah. have to sit so, still. Yeah, sitting yeah. next to your parents. No, right, exactly. Right. Everyone is very relaxed. You, I mean, you come up to the Berkshires. You even said it. Like it feels different when you come up. Here. Yeah. So you feel like you can let loose and you can relax. But there's no pressure. No one's tense. Everyone is very chill and wanting to share the exact same stories and and discuss and. Uh, refer to the Torah in all the ways that they would normally, just they're more relaxed about it. I think also just the nature of relationships in general at camp, like not just with a rabbi, and I think it's probably true across all camps, is that like, if you date someone for a week at camp, you're like, that was my first real relationship. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh my god, I gave her my heart and soul. Uh, So, similar thing when you find someone, be it a friendship or a relationship, it feels like they are slightly stronger, so like, with the clergy having them there, it strengthened that bond more than just like seeing someone weekly for a year. Yeah. It's I, I'm, I was remembering like I uh, I emceed was it was it last year I emceed the back talk? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Gail. So so I, I, I helped MC this big fundraiser for Eisner last year and it was so funny. All these rabbis and cantors were there who I, who saw me grow up. They watched mm. me grow up and I'm there with my wife, my wife was pregnant at the time and um, like going up to these people and like it's huge embrace embracing hugs. Like to all these people. Like and, you know, no offense to the rabbis who I grew up with, it's just very, very different. It's a very different relationship. To the point where even, like, you look forward to seeing certain rabbis and stuff you knew they were coming. You'd ask your counselors, oh, when's Rabbi Zlotowitz coming? Oh, when's Rabbi Wolfman or Cutler coming? You'd ask that. And then they, oh, let me check the calendar. And they say, oh, yeah, they're going to be here, to, like, next week or something. Like, that's, it's something, it's a conversation you didn't normally have in, in real life, I guess. Did each of the rabbis, like, when they came for their two-week stint, do, like, specific fun things that pe- people looked forward to that you, that so... you wanted? They're uh, all characters. They're all characters in different ways. So, like, one of the rabbis, Rabbi Serkman, was actually the rabbi from my hometown. So I kind of knew him. Um, but part of the programming every single day um, was actually, like, sort of a Jewish study hour, um, which was built into the whole thing. And I remember distinctly Rabbi Serkman every summer would do, like, a Jews in sports mm-hmm. one. And so you'd always fight to get into his like section because you knew it was going to be a lot of fun and not quite as in-depth and religious as some of the other ones, mm-hmm. some of the other like darker topics. And so they definitely all had... Yeah, like world famine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like caring about other people. <laughs> Wasn't he also a trained cartoonist? So he, yeah. Yeah. he would draw all of his own sketches as they were happening in real time? he was a he caricaturist. Was the, he yeah. was the first guy who I learned about advanced baseball analytics from like before it became like statistics sort of like how people run baseball clubs now he was the first guy i ever heard talk about analytics and like huge baseball fan yeah even though it was like a jewish summer camp like for me the religious part of it wasn't as important but like meeting all these like really great friends and people and characters like i still love a lot of the rabbis that i met there not because like we had this spiritual connection but like as a young kid, being able to talk to, yeah, just like mentors of good, like well-meaning people there to educate you and like try and make you better people. So. Yeah. But there, so the, but there were a lot of different characters, right? So you had the the Serkman, 
character. You had there were some rabbis that wrote their own songs, yeah, and like would come with. They just older. always like Rabbi Milder always have a guitar and sing his little you know hokey songs that he wrote. There was Rabbi Boxman, who we called the Box Cutter, yeah. because he got really into sports. Well, he also had a he wicked also, slap shot. He had a wicked yeah. slap shot. I can tell you about that. In fact, I'm not even sure I can have kids because oh. of him. I remember that. Yeah. Still haven't played street hockey goalie since then. Uh, can you guys talk a little bit more about the about how music was a part of life at camp? Oh God, yeah. You're always singing. All oh the time. God. Like where? Like in the I dining hall? Yeah. Everywhere. In the dining hall when you're walking. Or, or you're remembering song session and how lit it was. Did you sing a lot of Debbie Friedman? Yes. 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 Is we played a time. lot of music. I learned how to play the guitar at camp. Um, there was you also have like a songman kind of. So yeah, there were leader. there were different yeah. um, staff specializations that you could have. So you could be a sports uh, counselor, you could be a swimming counselor, you could be like the drama counselor or something mm -hmm. like adventure that. Adventure staff. Adventure staff. Um, it and sounds then, way cooler than it is. Yeah, it's like the yeah. climbing wall, yes. tucking kids into yeah. it. You didn't like, like help blow up buildings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there was a whole section of staff called song leaders. And so a lot of, lot of guitar playing. There were a lot of really talented musicians yeah. because you have a bunch of you know 17 to 20 year old kids that are learning how to play instruments. Um, and I remember there was also this air of coolness to all the counselors that could play the guitar or oh, play yeah. other oh things. God. It was so the equivalent cool. of Justin Bieber, all of them. All yeah. of them. <laughs> also, every they, unit had their own song leader. So, yeah, like, right. because not not everything about camp was always being together as one giant camp at the same time. So every night, every unit would get together for their evening prayer, and usually their one song leader or two, if there was another person who knew how to play guitar, would get together and yeah. and lead everyone, and it would be so cool and also so holy and. And it's this cool, it's this fun balance. Well, and something you learn when you're a counselor compared to when you're a camper is like so much of what you're doing is killing time. Like you finish <laughs> something a little bit early or a little bit late and you're trying to figure out the schedule things. And then the song would be there and you'd say, hey, hey, Mike, do you have your guitar? And then you say, and you just start singing. You start like a mini Great. song session right there. Crowd control. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we've yeah. got like 150 kids. And we have 20 minutes to burn. Let's just start singing some songs. And also be like, each each cabin would have, or bunk would have their own cheers. So the yeah, kids so would write their right. own songs. Yeah, did you guys write your own songs? Or were you mostly singing like Carol King kind uh, of what folky? I remember yes. <laughs> there were two songs in particular that I remember... We sort of, they were popular songs that we adopted as our bunk song, and one was I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys. Absolutely. Yeah, and, absolutely. And the other one was, I believe it was Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. No, no, no. Or no, it was... Selena. Selena. It was Selena. It was... Late at night when yes. all the world... Yeah, so you, yes. get, you get the whole Hadar, the whole dining hall singing this, and you, you've simultaneously made everybody thrilled, and the director of else is like, what is wrong with you kids? <laughs> and even, and even half of our, like, unit cheers were based off of yes. songs. Yeah. Yeah. Like our, our cheer when I was on Boneem staff was Boneem is bananas. B A N A N A. This is like seven and eight year olds. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is like yeah. small children not definitely not knowing, no doubt, Gwen Stefani, her history. It's but you like, are 100% bananas. <laughs> yeah. The most popular cheer I remember was the Ophirim one, where yeah. it was just da 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 da
rest of time. Oh At first, I was like, where is this going? But then it really came together. What's Ofri mean? What's Ofri mean? Uh, 12, 12-year-olds? 11-year-olds? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, bangers at the table? Bangers at the table. Uh, What's bangers of the table? Because uh, no, we would bang. Yeah. So like we would do that cheer in the dining hall because Every that was day. a lot of time when units would just start randomly yelling at each other. Sure. Um, and then even <laughs> individual bunks would have there. So there was like the girls that would do the traveling sisterhood of the Yaya sisterhood, and they would yeah. scream that, and then we would yell mayonnaise. Yeah. You'd yell mayonnaise? Because yeah. yeah. we just wanted to yell something. Um, it was very like, let's go Yankees, and the Mets fans would go, Yankees suck. It was like that same like sports loving rivalry. Well, I think that with yeah. Ofarine, there was a period of time where there were two shifts at lunch. So Ofarine yes. would be just the loudest because at that for that first shift they were the oldest. So they were like, We are here, we're yeah. in charge, and then it was all of us together, and suddenly it was like, I'm still well, trying to I be loud. So I remember all of us were old enough to remember when there were two shifts. Oh, yeah. And then we all remember when there was one shift, and that was a giant deal. Yeah, so, so they built it from this smaller space to a larger space yeah. that could accommodate all the kids together. Yeah. So, so then you went from eating in shifts to the entire camp eating together. So that meant like song sessions became giant now. How many kids are at camp? At four to five hundred. Yeah. No, it might be more now. Like yeah. So, so when you wanted to start a song, how did you indicate that, like, it is, we are starting a song, well, so, everybody catch up? So, if it was a song session, if it was a song session, it was very structured. Where the song leaders would get up to the microphones with their mic, with their with their guitars, or were plugged into the sound system, and they would just start playing. And they would sometimes give out song sheets, sometimes they wouldn't. And then other times, if we're all just in there, a table would just start saying like. I want it that way. And then you just start singing. Or a song leader would just start singing any song on the microphone. The right. the, much. Just start a song, anything, at camp, ever. The funniest thing, looking back on it, was they would teach us, not even necessarily Jewish songs, mm -hmm. but do you remember for Rib Night, they taught us Meat Stick, the fish song. Yeah, yeah, Ooh. totally. So we would be... We they'd have five hundred kids from like age seven to yeah, age thirteen. Yeah. yeah, bury the meat stick, take out the meat stick time. And we had no idea what no we were clue. doing. No clue, no clue. And then the first time I went to a fish show and they started playing meat stick, I was like, I know this song. I know this song. There was also there was also one song that I remember where like they gave out the like they gave out like the set list and four or five of the songs were from the band. Yeah. I don't remember, I don't remember was, why. I can tell you exactly why. Yeah, one of our, so my brother's friend and one of our group of counselors, this guy named Brett, he, the way sort of end of camp song session worked was everyone voted on what their favorite songs were. So when he walked around giving out the pamphlets, he was like, everyone write down the weight from the band. Yeah. And so he, he, had, he was on like a personal mission to sing this at final song session. And so I think it got up to number two, but no one knew this song. We were all just like, he's cool, let's write it down. So they yeah. gave out song sheets, and we all sang The Wait. There was a lot of idols. I don't know it at all how this little... Pulled into Nazareth. Of course. Yeah. And we're like, what is this song doing here? But it didn't matter because it was just like they were a cool. cool thing. No, I think like the number one camp song was Over the Rafters. Yeah. That was so definitely that was the one song that was how, does, like, how does that one go? No, no, it wasn't Cutler. It was... Um, is that a Freeman song? It might, not Freeman. Uh, it's a guy. I remember his name. 
So there's a song, there's like an unofficial anthem of Eisner that I'm sure you could get people when you go to Eisner to sing for you because... We're not going to sing it now. Uh, we're not going to sing it now. Okay. Uh, it's a little bit more complex than da, da, da. Um, and it's, I mean, it is the song, like the first song you learn and the last song you sing. And like at the end of every summer, it's the last song that gets sung and everybody's crying. Um, yeah. And... The, the origin of it is really cool. It's soup, It's like as local and authentic as can be. So the guy who wrote it, Rick Schiffman, was sitting in the Sophie and Bedam. Bedam just means like a holy place, like a chapel or something like that. Um, and Sophie, I don't know what Sophie means. Hunter or something? I don't know. I don't know. But Sophimers are like uh, 14 years old, 13 or 14? And, and so each of the Bedams, these buildings are named after different units. And those, the one that the Sophie and Bedam has all these plaques. And we're all on a plaque. You put your name on it like a, you put like a. Like inside a, jokes inside, primarily. Yeah. And the. This one guy was sitting in there, and he just wrote a song based on all little inside jokes on these plaques. So all the lyrics, oh. like over the rafters, that's on a plaque. Definitely uh, check out like, the like, Sophie made on when you guys. Yeah, there's there. there's there's one plaque, the Midnight Men, and the line of the song is the Midnight Men move again, don't know when. Like it's it's kind of a remarkable like it's that's the most Eisnery song there is. That sounds awesome. When yeah. did he write that? While you guys were the there? Seventies. No. Oh no, he's yeah. It's like a while. The ago. most. And it's, it's been the anthem of camp for as long as I can remember. Um, and I remember when I learned it on the guitar, there was like this moment of accomplishment because I could play over the rafters on the guitar. And it's like not a super complex song or anything like that, but just being able to play that was really awesome. So why do you guys, why do you guys think uh, that song is so meaningful? Because like everyone wants to be a part of Inside mm -hmm. Jokes and be mentioned and stay alive. That story is probably more obscure. I think it's just like, it would be played at everything. It was and our song, too, exactly. Eisner. Yeah, it's it unique to Eisner. It was original Eisner yeah. You're not going to go anywhere else and hear that song. You're going to hear it at Eisner and only among Eisner people. Also, the subtleties of this song are because every lyric of it is on a plaque in a building that someone from, like, the 70s mm -hmm. or the 60s wrote, there's always the game of, like, who can find all of the quotes. Oh, cool. Like, so you can look around, and the idea of, like, knowing that those plaques and jokes or whatever are memorialized in a song, when you're doing your own plaque, like we have a plaque in the Sophie and Beta. Uh and it's just like really cool to go back and see it and so I think having the lyrics and these words immortalized in a song you get an own sense of legacy when you do it yourself so I think it's a part of like permanence and really strong memories to have it just immortalized there I think with things like things like a summer camp especially with Eisner which goes back I guess God 60 yeah, it goes back to the 1950s. Like, there's a history of the camp, right? And you're a part of that mm -hmm. history. So, and then you walk into someplace like the Sophie and Bedam, and th it's living history that's, like, around you. So, you know, I think we all make our own plaques, kind of forging our own in there. And now there's a, and the, the fact that the song of camp is about this Bedam. It's kind of, the whole thing kind of just uh, lives together. Because it's about the people. It's about the people, exactly. That's cool. It's the legacy of Camp's experience for everyone. Yeah. That's awesome. So what does this weekend mean to you guys and having these relationships and the upcoming marriage of, of your friends and all of that? It's, I mean, so for me it's really special because I didn't stay on as a staff member. 
I you know spent a lot of time, a lot of summers with all these guys, and then uh, as a result, you know, didn't stay on as a staff member. We stayed friendly, and I think hung out a couple of times throughout the year, but for the longest time we were on a schedule of every you know at the what a beginning or middle of june i knew i was going to camp and for you know the last five or six summers we picked up right where we left off there was no like oh like what was your name again like yeah. as soon as we hit the ground running yeah. and we all knew to request each other in because yes. you could put down preferences for kids you wanted in your we bunk as well we did the chain request we would all be in the same bunks and it was awesome um and then eventually i sort of started to grow apart a little bit just because i wasn't at camp still and so the fact that like we can still hang out like this and now over the last year or two because we all live in brooklyn now um we've kind of reconnected um but the fact that i can kind of come back into the circle really easily and like there are jokes that i still and people that i don't know about from when they were all staff members but being able to do this and not have it be weird or awkward or anything like that is super important. And so I think that that's, for me, one of the most special things about this weekend. I love that. We also always, we all try to get together at some point, like a big thing at some point. Like, we always try. But also, like, you know, my, my wife and I, were the ones, we have kids now. We're the first ones who have kids. And, you know, you, you, don't, you don't realize it, but you kind of, when you're having a conversation like this, that's all about camp and our relationship. You know, like, my, my kids are playing with everyone at this table. And... You know, this is what it was like 20 years ago for so many other people from camp. And, you know, th that's the reason why we're all here. And we're spending, we get in the Berkshires because for us, there's this like emotional, happy place that's up here for all of us. And even just being up here, you know, it's been said now twice, you get up here and it just feels different. And I'm up here with my kids and it just feels all natural. Mm -hmm. Like it just feels totally right to be up here with this group. I remember when you and Kelly started dating, you got to camp. You had been dating for like three weeks, a very short, maybe a month or yeah. two months, and you were done. Like, you were never dating anyone else ever again in your whole entire life. Like, yeah. we got to camp. It was one of the first conversations we had. You were like, I think, I think she's the one. And I was just, I just remember being so happy for you and you, like, taking days off and you would come back and just be like, I'm going to marry this girl. Yeah. And then and you guys got married, like, five years ago. Two days ago? Well, no, and the funny thing is, yeah, it was our, our five-year-old wedding anniversary was two years ago. And by the way, everyone, so two days ago, so yeah, don't mind me. And uh, so five years ago, so but uh, Mike and Mike were in, my, when, were in the wedding. Uh, our other friends, Ellis and Ryan, were in the wedding as well. Uh, Ryan was part of the ceremony. Ted is going to be doing the ceremony of Mike and Andrea. Uh, like, we're all that closely linked. Um, Are your kids going to go to Eisner? So I posted a photo on Instagram of them in these little onesies they sent us. Uh, it says, like, future camper. And the joke was that, like, my, my son was angry he didn't get a top bunk, and my daughter was just like, leave me alone, Dad. Uh, and, that, and that was funny, because I remember hating the world when my parents dropped me off, but then after, like, two or three years, I remember saying, okay, would you leave, please? Yeah. Could you leave, Dad? You're embarrassing me, Mom! Like, and that's how they are now. I, th I think so. I mean... We, our kids are going to go to camp, 100%. Our kids are going to go to camp as long as we can financially afford it, et cetera, et cetera. However, I don't think I'm going to – I'm not going to preordain for them which camp they go to. Um, I'm not going to preordain for them. But, look, if they're great kids and they just like doing a bunch of different things and we're still involved with Jewish life – I like life, how you're like, if they're great kids. We don't know yet. I don't know. <laughs> Jury is still out. Uh, my daughter is crawling and making my son's life a living hell right now. So we'll see. 
Yeah. Well, she knows what she wants. But, but what I want for my kids is to have the same relationships that we have with all the people here. That's what we want. And I think that camp is what brings them together. I think also um, we all have really crazy jobs. And during the week and for most of the year, we are running around and really busy and find that we're super exhausted just because we're working all the time. And to come up here... We're actually breathing now. We're, we're able to just relax and to disconnect as best as we're able to and to just be together. And I think for, for some of us, we're really lucky that we all live in Brooklyn and every Sunday we do a Sunday supper. <gasps> Stop. I know. I know. It is as precious as it sounds. And it's, and it's delicious. Um, and we, we get together and we, we just figure out some cool menu and just we just enjoy like each other's company. Luck. No. Or you go out. No. Because usually it's at usually it's at my apartment, and, and so I I love to cook, so I and I love to host. So for for a while it was just I want to do this, I want to cook for everyone, and and it was great. And then and then Ted was able to join a little bit more, and Ted is Ted works in food, so he knows this stuff really well, and I like only want to cook with him because he knows everything. <laughs> wow, we're all right here. Okay, you're right. You're right. But actually, everyone at this table knows how to cook really well, and Stein makes the best burger I think I've ever had. Ah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so how long have you been doing Sunday supper? Like a year and a half now. Okay. Yeah. It started with you guys making pasta. Oh yeah. Well, so okay. So for my 27th birthday, a year and a half ago, um, Bloom talked to Ted and wanted to figure out something special for my birthday. And Ted came over and taught us how to make duck confit ravioli. Whoa. I know. Has the word confit ever been on a happy First time, first time. I've got to tell you guys, it was amazing. But we fell in love with making pasta and have made homemade pasta like so much since. And we wanted to invite people over to try these new recipes and to just enjoy with us. And then it expanded. And I think the last time we got together, we made pizza. And then we've made, oh God, I think my favorite meal was recently the like steak, chicken, mushroom stuffed mushroom and chimichurri sauce sensation. Oh my God, you guys. Oh my God, it was so much fun. Sunday suppers and weekends like this have sort of taken the place of seeing each other every summer. Mm -hmm. And obviously everyone's lives kind of go in different directions. You know, one of our other really, really good friends is a doctor. And so he can't come to all of these kinds of things. But when he does have free time, a lot of times we'll try and make an effort to all come and see him so that we can all get together. Um, also, he's a vegetarian, so when he comes to Sunday dinner, That's we're like, we... okay, what are we going <laughs> to do? Really, what are we going to do? Stressful. That's so, why you're like steak, chicken, what, mushrooms, <laughs> mushrooms. <laughs> so this isn't your whole crew. This is just like a portion of it. Yeah. Like how deep does the crew, awesome. the crew roll? It was interesting that you referred to it at the beginning as a reunion because... Like, it's not really a reunion. Like, I see these this guys every week. Life. Right. This was just, like, That's decided. awesome. These are, like, well, ride and die friends. It's not like, okay, once a year we're going to get together. No, like, we see each other as often as possible. We could be free or just... Some, we think of something and suddenly we're texting a picture or, or just in conversation every day. These are your well, people. But I'll also say this, like for yeah. my wife and I, because we are, you know, we have kids now and we don't, and we don't live in Brooklyn. But we, we love do, the we, kids more, I think. <laughs> my, my favorite two people here are not in the room. Uh, but, uh, right, but my wife and I have been looking forward to this for the last six months. So I think, I think for them it's like a, like, like where... Like, like we're taking the show on the road for part of the group. Yeah. But for my wife and I, this was definitely more reunion because we were saying this was what we've been looking forward to for the last six months. And we wanted our kids to be here with us and our dog. Our dog is here too, Lily, and she's perfect. Uh, <laughs> she's here too. Um, but, you know, we've been looking forward to this for six months because we live 
we just live far, not far away, but just with kids now, it's just a little bit. It's a little bit harder, not a lot of it harder. Yeah. But so for us, I think it's a more reunion. I was going to say, I think it's interesting that you guys asked the question if Max and Kelly were going to send their kids to Eisner because I think we all remember Eisner from like the early days and from when we ended our time there. And it's such a different place. I mean, even Ted describing Alumni Day. We, I remember when I was a camper and I, all these weird people from the 70s would come and just like freely roam camping. Yeah. And there were no rules and they were able to, they knew what time they had to be out and it was great. And everyone was happy and that relaxed. Was- and, and that's what we, that's what I would want. But to be there for an hour, well, the last time I went to camp, well, it was for a reunion okay. and it was awful. Well, partially because like, as much as we like think of camp as being in a vacuum and like that times in our lives, but like, you know, just with everything, obviously post 9-11 and just the whole, like camp did up its security. They needed to like make sure that kids were you know, safer and X, Y, and Z. And as the American Camp Association upped its accreditation requirements, they also had to follow that. So, like, it's not... Speaking from a staff perspective. It's true. I sat through many of those meetings. Uh, And I I get it, uh, which is why, like... It makes sense. You know, if if you're going to send your kids there, you want to be sure that the place that's taking care of your kids for two months is doing what they should be doing. And that means screening every visitor, having a very set timeline and Sorry. It's not just your camp. Our camp did the same. Like, we had to wear visitor passes when we went to our camp last year. We said it before we started the podcast. In the same way that society has evolved, camps have had to evolve, too. Like, going to a camp isn't like just walking onto a college campus. It's very different. Like, I could walk onto any college campus, by and large, in the country, and nobody will stop you. With a camp, it's different. And the thing, too, is, you know, you don't want to... I remember when I, the reason why I was sent to camp, to Eisner specifically, was... I had a lot of Jewish friends, and my parents said, oh, this will probably work, you know, and so I, I, we, I don't know what it's like to have your kid of camp age yet, right. you know, that's the thing, I just don't know the answer to that, and I don't know whether, what, which camp will fit for my kids, right. Right. I just and don't like, know what yet. what camp is in, on trend at the moment, and like, right. what, yeah. Uh, yeah, but we are, you know, we already started talking last night about another one of these. Um, in the Berkshires, in the specifically, Berkshires. getting together as a group. What, next year? For New Year's. Oh, right. Oh, fine. <laughs> oh, yeah, he already looked up a house. Nice. <laughs> we should just buy a house out here. It'll just be way easier. What do you mean, we? Just, like, yeah. looking at all of you. With all of our <laughs> money. I don't have no much chair, money, guys. so come on. Is this actually a timeshare meeting? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we mean to tell you, that's <laughs> what they're... That's the what Eisner Co-op Board, yeah. first, yeah, right. first Co-op. official yeah. meeting. <laughs> right, you get, you get, everybody gets a fribble if you sit for 30 minutes. <laughs> and we're back. Yay! <laughs> would do it. Uh, would do it. I, I, I will say one more thing about the whole camp evolution, because I was there probably for the longest. My last year was 2010 there. Um... And seeing it from both the staff member, the senior staff member, the camper, from sort of the whole way through that, I don't, I don't know that I would have had the same camp experience that I had had I been, like, a camper now. And I'm not saying that it's any better or worse, but I know that, like, it felt more like survival of the fittest when we were campers. That, like, there was a very, of, like... The whole culture of, you know, being aware of bullying now and how much more on top that you are. Yes, it's a huge problem, but because we weren't aware of it as kids, it was just like, oh, that kid we didn't like probably just didn't come back because he was bullied. Mm -hmm. And that it was very interesting how our group of friends sort of stayed around because, like, we all make fun of each other a lot. And so I think our personalities of, like, that survivalist nature 
of finding each other played a really big part of like my own development in a bigger society of like how to be around people and hold your own in bigger conversations with older campers, with staff members. And um, so I, I don't know what it would be like well, now. I, mean, I remember when we were counselors, they were going through a lot of the big changes of like bullying in the bunk when we were kids and stuff like that. But what I do definitely think after being a counselor and spending a little bit of time there is I think the kids don't, they don't know any different, right? Yeah. Like we know what camp was like for us as mm -hmm. kids and we had a great time. Eisner has a waiting list and they have, and they're still doing incredibly well. Yeah. So I think the kids are still having an out of this world experience. 100%. It's just a different one mm -hmm. than what we had right. you know, to the point where I know that, you know, whatever camp looks like six years from now, five years from now, it's probably still an outstanding place. Mm -hmm. It's just a little bit different five years from now. Yeah, they're not throwing kids in the lake anymore. Right. Like, <laughs> Wait, but do they still with... people in the lake if they say announcements? I don't know. Probably. Okay. Oh, God. There was Those are counselors, though. If That's you said true. the word announcements, oh, it was like a song. It was uproar. The, like, a ten-minute cheer. Bringing yeah. some counselor Going to the, the lake or... Getting pied in the face. Oh saying God. one word and the whole camp would erupt into a song. I'm not even sure how I learned the song. Just but from other just, people singing. I just around. knew it. Yeah, no, they definitely maybe like one time gave you a handout, but that was right. it. The whole, the whole point of this was that it's camp. You're not supposed to be formal. It's supposed to be fun. Shouldn't be announcements like at school. Mm -hmm. But if somebody said it by accident, somebody got dunked in the lake or yeah. dunked in the pool. Or like, hide, the pool. I saw someone get their head shaved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. shave. Yeah, shave it. Uh, so <laughs> it was basically like the equivalent. Hardcore. That was awesome. Saying announcements was the equivalent of someone saying the magic word on Pee Wee's Playhouse, where like everyone was like. <laughs> Would you try to get counselors to say it? Yes. yes. Oh my time. god. So the way they would do announcements is like at the very so throughout the meal people would put napkins where they'd write notes on them on the microphone so they probably knew who was going yeah, to like, be the person speaking time, yeah whatever all these or like if you are home. in this person's art shack course like cut meet here after lunch whatever to be clear they were announcements yeah <laughs> they, were, they were actual announcements but, but it's just like the word you were not saying so but they would they would make like different like anagrams of like how uh, you could say this one specifically is you know, because there was new staff every year, one of the things they would try and do is like, the verb group wants you to know what a noun is meant for. And someone would be, a noun is meant, and then, oh, we gotcha. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, that's excellent. I forgot that one. That's great. They also, they, also uh, they would say it in Hebrew, right? Whatever the Hebrew word for announcement says. Like, uh, oh, we have some something oat for you today. And uh, you mean, you mean there's another word for that in English? What is it? Oh, I don't know. I'm just saying the Hebrew word. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. But anyway. But anyway. Um, how did we, we get there? I don't know. We're a bunch of weirdos. Just talking about some weird traditions. Yeah, we love that one. Yeah, we do. Because that's actually... We, yeah. we, we'll we'll we tell you after we're done recording. Um, weird... I mean... <laughs> It's funny, it's all relative, right? To us, they were just traditions. To you, they're probably weird. Uh, that one is actually very similar to one of yeah, our camp traditions that we, we will that. share with you. I think on the note of like camp traditions, like you know, we would say all year long, like we live ten months for two for like the two months of the summer, and we go back and. Some of the things that we're remembering and sharing with our school friends, we were weird. Yeah, yeah. totally. We did. We were such That's weird people. That's literally why we started this podcast. <laughs> because camp is like not that weird, but to people who who don't go to camp, who've never been to camp, are like, 
You're weird. And your parents are bad parents because they sent you away. And it's like, no. Or like, actually, they might be better than yours. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? Oh, my God. All right, we are going to wrap, this, uh, wrap up. this up. Thank you guys so much for, for letting us into your world. It sounds like uh, amazing friendships that have yeah. gone on for years and years. Yeah. And uh, Mazel Tov on the upcoming wedding in October. Uh, and part part yep. two, Sunday dinner sometime next. Yeah, come oh. Sunday dinner. Yeah, we want all the meats. We totally yeah, that. yeah, we're not vegetarians. Yeah, not vegetarians no. at all. Yeah, we'll do a podcast part two. Yeah. We'd love that. Yeah, all right. Okay. Turns out the whole Sunday dinner thing was fake. <laughs> we're like, guys, we gotta learn how to cook. <laughs> Quick, YouTube. All right. Uh, check us out on iTunes. Yeah. Rate, review, subscribe. Rate, review, subscribe, Instagram. Just Google us. Day is done. Gone the sun. We yeah. out. Our theme song was written, recorded, and sung by the very talented Steffi Copeland.